Chapter 13 of Mr. Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This recording is by Arthur Piantidosi. Clagachu possessed a face and bearing not easily forgotten. A giant of a man, standing well over three, six feet three, he stood bareheaded in the morning sun. Contrary to the custom of the time, he wore no pigtail at his neck, nor even hair caught back, tied with a bow. Clagachu's head was shaved so close that the pale skin of his skull showed through the peppery stubble, making him seem bald. Below the bare skull, as if in counterbalance, his black eyebrows started out, tangled and thickly black, and under them, as out of a rocky cave, his small pale eyes blinked like cornered foxes in their dens. His nose, over-large to start with, had at some time in his life been broken, and its crooked shape leaned to the right as if still bending beneath the blow that had battered it. A long, untrimmed mustache shadowed his mouth, and stray hairs caught inside its lip when he opened and closed them. His lip, like his eyes, were pale, and his skin sickly as that of a man who sees but little of light. His cheeks and chin were stubbly like his head, and his beard seemed more reluctant than half-grown. His whole appearance in his sallow yellow vest, gun-gray coat and breeches, and canary-colored stockings was one of mingled power and weakness, strength joined with an unhealthy habit of never being in the sun, and a cruelty best enjoyed when he knew that he could win. His cold eyes pinned Chris with their gaze as if the boy were a butterfly transfixed with it by a pin. His thin, pallid lips curled with disdain, and yet, Chris thought, uneasiness, perhaps, as he eyed the two lads and the little knot of men. One strong, two white hand pilled a whip. Its long leather tail ending like a scorpion's sting and a length of wire. He held at five feet of the whip loosely, caught in his hand against a plated leather handle, and Chris had an icy sensation as he looked at on it that it was never far from the large white hand of Clagachu. A little behind Clagachu, examining the scene through a pair of jeweled lorgnettes, stood an even weirder figure. Osterbridge Halsey. "'whispered Ned Silly as if to himself "'as he followed the direction of Chris's eyes. "'Osterbridge Hawsey, younger than Claggett Chew, "'but twenty years to Claggett's forty, "'was dressed in the French mode. "'Anything more out of place than the dirty, "'swarming docks of Georgetown could scarcely have been imagined. "'His three-cornered hat was rakishly set at an angle "'on his fair hair, which was meticulously rolled "'in curls above his ears.' The curls were caught at his neck with a black velvet ribbon. Beside Clagachu's offensive bare skull, the hat in its delicate blue velvet, silver braid, and airy rim of ostrich feathers was ludicrous. Osterbridge Hosney's costume was of a piece with his hat the hat, for his coat was a fine blue velvet, a shade of a too pale a shade for any use outside a drawing room. It, too, was edged in silver braid, and its owner holding a lorquette, and with his right hand, with his left, pushed back the velvet folds to display the delicacy of his flower-embroidered waistcoat. 
satin knee breeches, a cascade of white lace at his throat, and lace flowing gracefully over his small, well-kept hands made up the picture. As Lucas looked at him, fascinated and repelled, he noticed that the young man wore a patch in the shape of the crescent moon on his left cheek. Chris, who had been not a little overawed at seeing Claggett's shoe, could not restrain himself at the sight of this fop. The touch of fear he had felt, looking into the pale, expressionless eyes of Mr. Wicker's enemy, found relief and release in an uncontrolled burst of laughter when from his pocket Officer Bridge Hosney drew a tiny bottle of smelling salts and held it delicately to his nose. Chris's young laughter rose in peal after peal. <laughs> Amos Moore's warmer, quicker laugh joined in, and in a second laughter had spread to the group of seamen who doubled up, convulsed, fell on one another's shoulders as they wiped their eyes and slapped their hard thighs with their roughened hands. The pair stood so amused the rest, Claggett's shoe and his fine friend, had stopped some ten feet away at the first sounds of mirth. Then into Claggett Chew's gray-white face came astonishment, for he was used to creating many impressions, fear, hatred, or cringing obsquiescenceness. But never before had he or any of his friends been laughed at. Furthermore, he, the grated Claggett Chew, and his gaudy friend, Osterbridge Hosney, were seldom seen so little account that a boy dared laugh at them. After a surge of deep, ugly red into his head, Claggett Chew's face became whiter than before, and his eyes were murderous. Oh, Claggett, they seem to be laughing at me, Osterbridge Hosney whined in a high-pitched voice. Unfortunately, at this moment, Gris, forgetting caution in the grip of his laughter, held on to Amos, shouting feebly, He's got a patch in his cheek! What do you know? A beauty patch! <laughs> The derision in his voice, in spite of his laughter, was unmistakable, but before he could so much as draw another blat, he heard Claggett Chew's voice for the first time. So, you little found ugly twerp, you idiot of a snapper, let me give you one to match. And quicker than the eye could follow, the whip flicked out, and with a cutting sting lashed Chris's cheek. That cut from the metal wire was deep, almost to Chris's jawbone, but he did not feel hurt as much as he realized his laughter gone. The Claggett Chew was now his deadly enemy. Next time, in Claggett Chew's sneering voice, I shall take an eye from you, my laughing boy, and see if that amuses us as and turning on his heel, followed by the sauntering, giggling fop, the pair picked their way along the wharf and disappeared. It was only then, looking around at the sobered, silent sailors, Chris remembered that Zachary Height was the only one who had not laughed. End of chapter 13